You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit inspiresleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com. the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Thank you. I'm Bethany. And I'm Amy. And welcome to episode 39. Wow, oh, 39. Cool. I know. <laughs> Today we're covering Scarlet chapters 13 and 14. Poor Ashley lost her voice again, so she's out. Aww. She couldn't be here today. Poor Ashley. <laughs> I know. She just got her voice back like a couple weeks ago, too. And now she said she got sent home from work because she was supposed to instruct and couldn't talk. So Yeah, it tends to happen when you work around a lot of people. And, and when you I spend met, your whole you know, day talking. Yeah. Yeah. Classrooms and stuff like that. That's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be a lot. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Oh, just uh, going and doing errands and running around and. That's pretty much it. I went and got some earrings fixed that my mother-in-law got me right before Nick and I got married. And they broke shortly after we got married. And I haven't gotten them fixed. And it's been like 11 years. So it's great that you got to, to get, get them, them fixed. Yes. It's great that you got them fixed. Yes. So yeah, very excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you. And we had lunch together today. That yes. was lovely with our friend Kristen. Uh-huh. It was delicious. It was delicious. I'm still full. Mm. Uh, but part of me wants to eat the soup anyways. Right. I've left over, <laughs> I've left over Olive Garden in my fridge. And even though I'm not super duper hungry, I kind of want to mm-hmm. like, go eat it. Yeah. We just finished up an Instagram Live a few minutes ago. That was fun. Yeah. Doing an Instagram live this, or doing a, a YouTube live with our Patreon this week. Oh, cool. Uh, so you can't come unless you're a Patreon member. Mm-hmm. I went to the post office today and mailed out Patreon surprises. Sweet. I bet they're going to be so excited when that comes. I really hope so. Yeah. It's also like way more expensive to mail stuff than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I might be doing digital copies of everything in the future, which I'll have to email everybody about. Yeah. Or they'll listen to it on this episode. <laughs> it'll, it'll have to be like one of those things, like it's a rare, cool occasion to get things yeah. in the mail because we're still really small. <laughs> and yeah. Well, mailing is expensive. I have to mail stuff back to Michigan all the time. And it is. It's and super expensive. not to like give too many numbers away, but right now, minus deductibles, the Patreon is making $9 a month. Woop woop. SoundCloud costs 17 Okay. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> we haven't even broke even yet. But I'm, I'm hoping that eventually more people will sign up and we will because that will make me really happy. Yes. We got a new listener this week that messaged me, so that makes me excited. Oh, that's awesome. Welcome. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome um, all new listeners. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
for this week. Okay. Cool. I got lots of books. You did? I got lots yes, of, lots of books. Yes, I lives. You've got I've plenty. got... I need another bookshelf, but they cost like... These ones were like $80, like $74 or $84, and they're beautiful bookshelves, and they match my room and my desk, Mm -hmm. but they're $84, and I make $7 an hour, so that's not happening anytime soon. Right. Right. But... And I love that we we happened to accidentally pick up the same book. Yeah, we both got Dorothy Must Die. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited. We'll have to read it together and then do yeah. a topical episode. I did. Okay, so I wanted to read. I haven't read Map of Days, which is the fourth book in the Miss Peregrine series. Okay, I haven't read any of those. They're amazing, and you really should. So Quentin bought it for me when it came out, but I've been so busy with school that I haven't had a chance to read it. It's been on that really long. Yeah, pile that of books. list that keeps just growing. So I finally got to that part of the list, and I was all excited, and I read, like, the first chapter, and I was like, you know, it's been so long since I read the other three. I don't know what's going on. So I went back. I'm starting over. I'm reading the first one again. And then I find out there's a fifth one. Wow. So I called my boss, or I texted my boss at uh, the Southern Bound Bookshop in Biloxi, Mississippi, and she's going to put in an order for the fifth one for me. And I need to buzz through so I can get to it because I didn't even know there was a fifth one. And I still haven't read the fourth one. And I started rereading it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is good. Yeah. (laughs) Like, man, I forgot how good this is. Right. I love it when you get sucked into a book and you just don't hear or see anything else going on around you. You're just totally in the zone. I was reading it at the PT, the physical therapist's office today. Did you? Like, okay. while people were talking and walking mm-hmm. around, and there was music playing and a TV on. Right? Isn't so it awesome was, when you can zone all that out and just dive into a story? I love it so much Not when that happens. To anything else, just the little world that's inside your head. Yes, I love it. That's one of the biggest joys in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotta love reading books. So let's get started on Fan Art Friday, and then we'll talk about this book that we love. Okay. So this week is Scarlet with her shotgun. I kind of wish we'd had this one last week for those chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Where she was standing in the the driveway with the the shotgun. shotgun, Because that is exactly how I picture her. You know, like pointing at Wolf, too, up on the stairs. Like, this is what I imagined. So this is beautiful. So this is from February 28th, and it's from Shan Lightyear on Instagram, who shared with us before. So thank you for that. And hopefully sharing again in the future. I love it. Everything Mm -hmm. from her very frizzy hair, which I have curly hair. I totally get a girl. Mm -hmm. Her cheeks are kind of red. You can tell with her eyebrows that she is mean business. She got that gun right up to her head. She got her eye looking. If you look closely, you can see her fingers like right on that trigger, ready to go. Mm-hmm. I just, I love she's everything. She's not messing around. And she's, she's not. She is ready to do what she needs to do if necessary. She is. And I love is. everything about that. Mm-hmm. So a big thank you to Shan Lightyear for sharing that with us. Yes. And you can go check that out on our Instagram and Facebook. Oh, so our Patreon members got to help us vote on the chapter titles for 11 and 12. And... Chapter 11 was titled It Wasn't Me by Shaggy, and Chapter 12 was titled Wolves by Marshmallow and Selena Gomez. But there were quite a few choices that Patreon members got to vote between. One of them that almost won, I kind of don't want to give away, but we're going to save it because I think it would be good for a future chapter of this book. Ooh. I don't know what you're talking You'll have about. to check I'll the have Patreon. To check out the Patreon. Yeah, you'll have to check the Patreon. I checked it out last night, but I, po- I, po- I posted it earlier today when I was talking to people on Patreon. Oh, okay. 
Okay, I'll have to look at that. I but I, I was going to give it away, and then I was like, no, I kind of want to save this. It, I looked at the lyrics, and I was like, this could be good for a lot of different things <laughs> in this book. I want to I want to shelve this one. Okay. So big thank you to all our Patreon supporters for helping us vote and pick titles. And that's actually it for housekeeping. It's pretty quick today. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yay. Go on. Nice. So let's start with Chapter 13. All right. Last week we left off and uh, Wolf was telling Scarlet about the gang, wolves, and her father was disappearing again. So we're still with Scarlet in this chapter. I love the imagery of her standing in the gravel and the swaying shadows. Yes. I felt mm-hmm. so much reading just those two words. Mm-hmm. I wrote in my notes, I was like, the description of her running down the driveway. Yes. Was... So authentic, you know, like almost like she's done it before. Well, I mean, most people have, but you know what I mean? Like she's describing how like the, the rocks like dig into her feet, you know, that kind of thing. Like uh, it's, I grew up in a dirt road basically, you know, so I know what it's like to run around all summer long without shoes on your feet and it hurts sometimes. And she's completely ignoring all of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, like I said in the last episode, Quentin used to call me Blackfoot because I didn't wear shoes. And mm-hmm. so my feet would get covered in dirt and mud and stuff. And they, yeah. they still do. I still not. The only reason I wear shoes down here in Mississippi is because the grass is not soft down here. Yeah. It's Where not. in the Midwest, the grass is nice and soft. And yes. It's perfectly comfortable to walk around on. Mm-hmm. The grass down here is sharp and pointy. It's and crunchy. And it does not feel as nice on your feet. Like, I go home into Michigan during the summer and spring break and stuff like that. And I just go out and walk around the backyard yeah. and, like, curl my feet into the grass and stuff because I miss it so much. Yeah. When I, I go. realize how much you miss it till you're gone <laughs> yeah and it's not something you think about that it's not something you think won't be in other places yeah. you know when we go home to illinois to my in-law's house my father-in-law takes a very good care of his lawn you know he's a green thumb and he's got bushes and and he's got trees that he planted when quentin was a child so now they're, oh, that's cool. they're these big beautiful cherry trees Aww. his mom made cherry pie with the cherries from the tree it's very cute Aww. but he has grass that he planted so it's it's really 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 soft blue grass oh and i go home and i just kick my feet my shoes off i lay directly in the grass i don't care i don't even put a towel down yep. i just <laughs> lay in that grass i grab a book me mm-hmm. and scamp just lay there all happy Yep. Yeah, it's beautiful. And mm-hmm. and this is something that you can feel with her, I think. Mm-hmm. You can feel her panic, her confusion, her fear, her resolution when she's like, my car. Yeah. Or your heart drops because you're like, oh, man, he's getting away with something, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, we talked last chapter. Ashley had said, oh, the driveway is empty. He must have taken her ship. But after recording, I remembered her ship wasn't in the driveway. Mm-hmm. She parked it in the hangar. Yeah. So he didn't steal the ship. It just wasn't in the driveway. Yeah. So, which is just a little, I mean, we do stuff like that all the time. It's just a little mistake. Yeah. But now we're with her when she's come to that conclusion. We're not like, oh, maybe he took the ship. We're with her when she comes to the conclusion of, Oh, maybe he took my ship. Yeah. And now we're panicking with her. We're running on the gravel where it hurts. Mm -hmm. It's early in the morning. The sun's coming up. So I don't know about you, but I've been on a farm when it's early in the morning and the sun's coming up. Everything is still covered in dew. God, I love the smell of corn (laughs) in the morning when they're fresh dew. It smells so good. Mm -hmm. So she's running. She's trying to get to her father 
And Wolf's like, well, maybe he went to feed the birds. <laughs> That's really sweet. That's wishful thinking, Wolf. <laughs> but you don't know Daddy. <laughs> he did not go to feed the birds, I no. promise. <laughs> Does not seem like he wants yeah. to help out around the house. <laughs> yeah, I wrote in my notes, doubtful. <laughs> so... She she gets to the I keep calling it a hangar, but it, I guess it's supposed to be like a garage, which is kind of the same thing. Yeah, I think it's like their version of a garage because but it got, most people probably have spaceships of yeah. some kind, so it's just replacing motorized vehicles, probably. Yeah, and the whole some type of crash shakes the whole building. That's a pretty big crash. Yeah. Yeah. I have my theories as to what caused that crash, but we'll get to it in a second. (laughs) Or that's a rickety building. Or both, I guess. You know. But we find Dad, and he's ransacking the hangar the same way he did his mom's bedroom. There is stuff everywhere. The cabinets are pulled open. There's nails and screws all over the place. Jars are being emptied. A huge standing tool chest is knocked to the ground. Those suckers are heavy. Yeah. I'm guessing that's that what caused the crash. The, yeah. yeah. I'm guessing that's what caused the crash mm-hmm. because I've had to move one of those before on wheels and it's still heavy. Those yeah. things, especially when they're full, weigh a lot. Yeah. My dad is one of those like and I don't think at home fix it people. Like one of those people that's like, okay, I gotta take this off the shelf before I move it looking for something. You know what I mean? No, like, he's, he's he's tearing through there. No, he's in a <laughs> panic frenzy like he has clearly had a psychotic break at this point which we don't really know him as a character but like that's somewhat understandable considering what he just went through i mean he's been tortured and it wasn't that long drugged tortured threatened and now we know he was also drinking alcohol all night yeah probably not eating a lot not making the best decision right like i think he's had a complete psychotic break so i'm not entirely blame it on him until we get to the end so yeah. we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> so this one i thought was weird grandma keeps her old military uniforms just hanging up in the garage and as soon as i read that i was like i kind of picture military uniforms in a trunk in the attic mm. well yeah i guess unless like the garage is her hangout place you know what i mean like a like a she shed or you know your place that you like to go and I don't know, de-stress or stuff like that. You know, like lots of people, they'll put up posters and other things like that in their garages and work out there because they're out there for hours at a time and doing, you know, just maintenance work or gardening stuff for the farm. She may be out there just being um, nostalgic for the past and in her old uniform brings back those memories for her and getting to see it every time she grabs her hat or puts on her apron or Mm -hmm. her gloves yeah maybe reminds her lots of people put up their like diplomas and stuff like that oh i'm going to i'm working for that thing you know that thing costs hard for that and (laughs) that thing costs ten thousand dollars this year alone yeah like like, not including all the other years yeah (laughs) military lots of people hang up their hats or their medals and stuff like that that they get and they put them in display boxes and they hang them up in the hallway or there's coins yeah they have a lot of those coins too and it's usually because they are wanting to show off and see that so that way they can remember those good times. I guess I was thinking like that the uniform could be damaged just out in the open. Yeah. Moths, dust, yeah. nails being thrown about by your psychotic, yeah. estranged, <laughs> estranged son. I don't think she was um, thinking about that when she hung it up. <laughs> but, but um, <laughs> it, 
So we see that Grandma's uh, uniforms are just hanging in the garage, and Scarlett tries to talk to her father, and he turns around and throws a wrench, not realizing who he's throwing it at. Scarlett ducks, and Wolf just grabs it. I wrote, just, nice catch, Wolf. <laughs> right? Just grabs it out of thin air. Like, right. that is a good reflex. Yeah. That's crazy fast. Yeah. Well, we know he's a fighter. Yeah, or he got really lucky. <laughs> I'm going to go with reflexes, because we saw him fight, and he has pretty good reflexes. Yeah. So, that's what I'm going with. I mean, if that would have hit him in the face, that would have broke a bone. <laughs> <laughs> that would have broke quite a few things, yeah. Might have lost an eyeball. Would hurt, man. <laughs> so I like from friends her dad and is like, dude, what the f-? Yeah. And dad's like, it's the same thing as when he was in her room. Yeah. There's something here. Yeah. I have he to find determined it. Determined to find yes. it. He I was going to say obsessed. Yeah. There you go. I think he's obsessed. This is more than just determination. This isn't like, I'm going to look here all day if I have to. This is where the f*** is whatever it is that I'm looking for. Well, have you ever lost, like, your cell phone or something like that? And you oh, yeah. go and you're late for work? It's almost like that that kind of panic. Like, he needs to find it, and he needs to find it soon. Like, he has no proof that it exists, whatever it is that he's looking for. But he's determined to, to say that it is there. It doesn't even seem like he knows what he's looking yeah. for. Like, or maybe he has, like, a general idea, but he's not sure. I I don't know. It's all very vague. And maybe we'll find out more as we read the book. Yeah. Yeah. He has to be super de- deranged. Deranged. Not, yeah. He has to be super deranged at this point in time to not notice that in the book they describe him uh, stepping on nails and things yes! on the floor. And he's barefooted. Barefoot. He doesn't have anything on his feet yeah. right now. And jumping on to, I wrote I wrote that too. I wrote jumping barefoot onto a pile of nails and screws doesn't even notice. This seems like a very severe psychotic break. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to be pretty emotionally distressed at that point. To be able to be cutting your feet and stepping and this, on this things goes like back that, to the notice. This goes back to the obsession. Yeah. He's so distracted by his obsession. He's so possessed by his obsession that he doesn't even notice something that would cause most people physical agony. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, that's like pulling babies from a car, you know, like, yeah. I mean, you know, like you're getting that kind of adrenaline rush. Yeah. When yeah. you're when you, when trying you're, to save someone's life. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And Scarlett's trying to figure out what he's doing. She keeps telling him to stop. And I wrote, he's broken. He is broken. (laughs) But she says, Dad, stop. There's nothing here. And he says, she has something and they want it. It's got to be here. It's got to be here. Somewhere. But where? He's just in such a panic. She has something and they want it. It's got to be here. Somewhere. But where? Where is it? Like, he is just... Yeah. He's gone. Mm-hmm. He's not even remotely... I, I'm not even sure he's really aware that he's talking to Scarlet. Yeah. I think he's just, like, almost talking to himself. At that point, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's convinced that it's real. She's not listening to him. You know, like, says... Someone's telling you, oh, that's not real. Don't know, don't worry about it. Da, 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 da. And you're, you know, for a fact that there's got to be something because there's no reason why someone would have tortured him. Absolutely. For this much and this long and then release him if there wasn't something there. So the air is filled with pungent fumes of engine lubricant and her dad tipped over an entire barrel of it, mm. letting the yellowish grease 
gurgle and spill out over everything that's already on the floor. Yeah. And she says, Dad, put it down. I'll hit you, I swear. She's got a hammer raised above her head. Mm-hmm. And she says she'll hit him. She swears. She swears a lot that she's going to do stuff. Yeah. So he finally looks at her with that same haunted madness. And this is the part where you realize, like, he really has lost it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm starting to wonder if he's in an actual psychotic state, like maybe sleep deprivation on top of alcohol and drugs and being tortured. And yeah, I think he's definitely there. I think it's safe to say that he's there. So, and I've never been in that kind of zone. So I have no idea what that would feel like. (laughs) I I mean, I have no determination. He must feel. We see it represented in movies and TV shows and stuff, but I've never personally had to experience that kind of thing. I mean, I've had, you know, I have, I have anxiety and I've had panic attacks and I've had uh, mental breakdowns where I get overwhelmed. I have a lot going on and sometimes it gets stressful and I get overwhelmed, but yeah. not to the extent that this man is at nowhere near that extent yeah. because he finally looked at her with that same haunted madness. This was not her father. This man was not vain and charming and self-indulgent. All the things she'd admired as a child and despised as a teenager. This man was broken. Yeah. 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 He, and that, that paragraph right there, like when I heard it, it was just, you could feel the devastation in it. Like, you know, like she's, this is not her charismatic father. Like, and she used the word father. And that father usually has more of an emotional tug to it than dad. Oh, I feel the opposite. You know, really? I, I Well, a lot of people think of, like, your father is the biological father. Your dad is the one who raised you. Oh. And since I'm adopted, oh. I often think that way. Okay. Because, like, my biological father, kind of a deadbeat. Yeah. But my dad, the man who met my mom when I was three months old, the man who raised me, he's always been my dad. I've never once said, hello, father. I yeah. call him dad. Yeah. I so guess. maybe it's just the way I was raised. Everybody seemed to be like, oh, so more, do you call your dad dad or do you call him father I when you're speaking him with him? I call him dad. Okay. My brother calls him father. Okay. My brother uses It feels like that. such an old-fashioned thing to it say is. mother. It's very old-fashioned. Like, mother, dear. <laughs> no, Adam does it because I think he has a lot of respect for my parents and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> Dad, put down the barrel now. I can feel her talking slowly, calmly, assuredly, mm-hmm. and holding her hands, like, yeah. in front of her, like, patting the air and just like, dad, put down the barrel now. Right. Just the the way you would handle any kind of a traumatic situation where you don't know what that person is about to do. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. you see on movies and TV and stuff like that. Right, Scam? You're becoming a very popular guest. You are. You just were on my live video too. Now you're Apparently yawning at what Amy's trying to say. That seems kind of rude. I know. (laughs) But I, no, I completely agree. I think that like when you watch movies with people that are, that are at the edge, have you seen Handmaid's Tale? Oh, okay. Well, there's a part in there where she has to talk to one of the other women and she has to talk calmly and slowly. And that's like one of those things that you have to do with somebody that is just about to lose it. Yeah. And I mean, they're not, they're thinking so fast 
and yet not at all. I can think of like 10 Grey's Anatomy episodes that probably yeah, offer go. a good example. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it's more in jest, but I was thinking of that scene in Harry Potter when Grop picks up Hermione and nobody can get him to listen. And she's just like, put me down now. Now. Yes. The it's firm, slow, but firm. Yes. Because you're making your point that you are serious but you are allowing them to express their anger. <laughs> and as people who have worked with children and have yeah. backgrounds in early childhood development like you and I do, mm-hmm. we know that that's the best approach whenever a child is throwing a temper tantrum. Oh, yeah. Because sure. a lot of people, at least what I've noticed, when caregivers and parents alike, it's not just parents, like teachers do this too. Yes, they're they'll, short. They're, they don't handle the situation the way that they should. With the way that they handle it almost fuels the kid who's trying to get attention and instead of being you know the way that scarlet acts in this moment they're usually like oh i told you to knock it off or Mm -hmm. you need to listen to me or i can't believe you're doing this yeah they can't handle it that way in a rash response when yes when the situation slow down yes the situation doesn't call for a rash response it Mm -hmm. calls for calm collect because somebody is already having a rash response right somebody else (laughs) needs to be the calm control center and i think that's what Scarlett's trying to do and it seems to work for like just a second but his lips trembled as his attention shifted away focused on the small delivery ship not a body's length away from him she loved flying she loved her ships bam let's just break the window why not yeah yeah (laughs) oh my god and she tries so hard but the glass shattered with it, the second hit, and her dad was already hauling himself through the shards, as if, as if all the other stuff is <laughs> all over the place. The glass is now added to the floor as well. Well, like, I mean, at this point, let's throw some <laughs> lemon juice on it. Who cares? So I mean, that's just oh, so much. And I have accidentally stepped on broken glass a couple of times. It is not fun. There is a. Remember, we were talking about scars last week. Do you see how there's an indent on this toe? Oh, yeah. And it doesn't curve properly? Uh Uh-huh. Stepped on a broken bottle. I still can't. If I touch it the wrong way, I still get, like, a nerve hit, you know? Like, like, yeah. (laughs) This, this, these scars on my, my arm and my chest are from that glass vanity. Yeah, that's Yeah, glass is, glass is a sharp thing. It is. But this is what I was kind of talking about, because he keeps saying, or this is, um, sorry, this is what Wolf was talking about, because he keeps saying, she has something, it's here somewhere, they want it. And that's what Wolf was saying. They have a reason. We yeah. just don't know what it is. Because yeah. Scarlet kept saying, well, what, they don't have any reason to take her. And Will was like, oh, they do. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. And Dad is saying the same thing. Yeah. Dad is saying, she has something here, and they want it. She wouldn't give it up, so now I have to try to find it. Yeah. Then I think Scarlet at this point is being naive. Very naive. Very naive to think Which that, we see that even grandma. worse further in the chapter. Yes. Like, way worse further in the chapter. Oh, yeah. Just kind of like the way that she was naive in the last chapter, which I was a little hard on her for, and I'm sorry, but in the last chapter, she was kind of naive. She's, my grandma doesn't know anything about weapons. Okay, she was in the military, and she gave you a gun for your 11th birthday. She knows a little bit. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that she knows how to program nuclear missiles, but she knows something about weaponry, even if it's just, like, basic household weaponry. Yeah. She knows more about it than I do. Yeah, I don't know anything about guns. I don't have a gun. I don't, you know, it's just... I have pepper spray and that's it because I don't, I, I'm not pro-gun. I'm not anti-gun. My parents have guns. I'm not 
any I don't have with hunters and all the other kind of stuff no, I, grew no, up. I don't like hunting uh-huh. <laughs> that's just a vegetarian thing <laughs> but I just I have a hard time understanding why she would assume her grandmother doesn't know anything about weapons or why I get that she wants to see her grandmother in a certain way yeah but I have to agree with her crazy drunken drugged father yeah she idolizes grandma because she's missing pieces that even we know how to pick up on yeah that even the stranger wolf is like no she knows like there's a reason for this there's a reason she was kidnapped there's a reason they went after your dad there's a reason don't just randomly grab people off the street do something like they that. do with well, kids. they do with yeah a certain or unfortunately with women and men and, and yes. drug trafficking and sex trafficking and things like that but a grandma yeah at a farm it's definitely a moment where everybody seems to have a version of her grandmother the same version of her grandmother and that same version that everybody else knows is very different than this one version that scarlet knows yeah At least that's how it feels. She is only recognizing her as the person that raised her over the past few years. She's not taking the time to realize that grandma may be a completely different person. Grandma is totally a different person. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wrote in my notes that I forgot I wrote in my notes, but when he hits the window, I wrote, I bust the windows out, Jakar. Do you know that song? No, I don't. (laughs) It's a song. It's about busting the windows out of somebody's car. I actually experienced that at one point in time. That's scary. I know. There was, uh, I was working at Covenant Healthcare in uh, Saginaw, and there was a family that lived across the street from the daycare that I worked at. And I got there at like six o'clock in the morning and the girlfriend was mad at the boyfriend and was taking a baseball bat to the back of that car and was just beating the out of that window. I was like, oh, oh, boy. I worked with a woman. Well, I didn't work with her. I worked at a preschool where her daughter was in another classroom. So I guess I mean, I wasn't even her daughter's teacher. But her and her husband were both in the military, and he had an affair, which ended his career pretty quickly. But before that, she keyed his car. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But not to make too much light of property damage. Yeah. (laughs) Please, we're not encouraging this behavior. (laughs) But then he busts the windows out the car. And she pulls him back. She is strong enough to grab her father around the waist and forcibly drag him. I can't do that with my dad. Oh, I could try, but I wouldn't budge. We don't really know the size of her dad. He may be the same size as her, or... I mean, if... I mean, do you think you could drag me across the room if you needed to? If I had to? Like, Maybe. you to pull me off a car? Probably not for very far. Right. And I could, while I'm pulling away in an yeah. obsessive state like I that. I could probably give you a good jolt backwards, but it wouldn't <laughs> last very yeah. long. Yeah, and I mean, she, but she does. Not only does she pull him all the way back, she actually holds him at bay. You know, he can't move. She takes a, a knee to the side, which I'm sure hurts like a mother. Yeah. And it looks and then she sees that not only is he bleeding from like where his hands and feet got cut by the glass and the nails and the screws, there's a huge gash with no explanation. He's bleeding from a gash in his side, but we don't know where that gash came from. Like is this just a random injury that happened during all this chaos? Yeah. That's really hard to 
was our oh was already turning uh crimson crimson and i wrote yeah i did catch that it was a uh, what what a description on the fall and bruising yeah like she put a lot of crimson is a certain type of color you it's know the I same mean? as we talked about before in cinder she didn't just say lavana's lips were red she said red 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 yeah she wasn't just talking about how it's hot she said the august heat yeah you know and and it's stuff like that it's just it's just a word it's just one little tiny word choice but it really does make so much depth to what it is that you are putting in your mind absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah and so he's let go of me and she's trying to hold him still and wolf just like picks him up yeah (laughs) she's holding him she notices all the stuff dad says let go and Scarlet clung, still trying to subdue him, until she realized that Wolf was there, dragging her dad to his feet. And then, not only is Wolf, like, just picking up dad, he's holding dad with, like, one arm, and then just, like, helps Scarlet to her feet with the other. The other. <laughs> It's the same as, like, when he was in the tavern and he just picked a guy up by the neck and lifted him right off the ground. It's like, yeah. this guy's kind of scary. Just just the physical strength and capability that he has. The fact that he just caught a wrench. Like, he almost choked a man to death. Like, I'm just, he's just kind of, he's a little scary. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I watch a lot of superhero movies and stuff like that. Like, that is what you think of, like, a Superman-like type kind of thing. Because that's what my mind goes to is because he's got cat-like reflexes. Oh, yeah. He has incredible strength. Like, normal people can't just hold someone on one arm and help someone with the other. Like, that just doesn't seem physically possible. Now, I'm not a bodybuilder by any means, but I don't know of anybody that could do that with just one hand. Like, even Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, he, I don't think he could even do that. I really just would have to depend. At his prime. <laughs> it would really just have to depend on the person they were lifting, I guess, and how strong they actually are. I mean, I guess I we're not given the indication that her dad is small or big or anything. Yeah. I mean, if he was a skinny man, light, you know. Nick is kind of light. I guess if I was picturing someone like Nick. Versus, yeah. Oh, no, he's not like, he's heavy boned. Is he? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, if you just look at someone like him versus someone like Quentin. Yeah. I don't think Quentin could pick him up by the neck with one arm. Right. But I think it would be easier for Quentin to pick up Nick than it would be for Nick to pick up Quentin. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Nick did wrestling in high school. And but can like he that. physically lift a man out into the air? That does Wrestling well, in high school 20 years ago doesn't mean you can pick a man up. Well, it depends on what kind of picking up. Like if he was With like one arm. Up, yeah. Like one arm. No, no, he could. I don't do think that. that Quentin could do I, that either. I don't either. think Quentin could do it either. Yeah, I don't think so just, either. But like. He he definitely had to pick up other people and flip them with his shoulder. You know right. what I mean? Like he he he's shorter, yes, but he has to use his body in a different way, like a levy system almost. But that to be was able to to do that. Was that. Fifteen years ago, has yeah. he been keeping up oh, with yeah. that type of regiment and that type of training? You saw him last summer. <laughs> I I didn't no? see someone who looked like oh. he could. Um, Oh, yeah. He so, could. He, yeah. he definitely could. Okay. He could definitely do that. He still, he teaches the kids moves. 
wrestling moves and stuff like and that. And they do karate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they used to. i got to get them back into it. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's, that's even a good point, though, because, like, even if her father is, you know, relatively short and stocky the way that Nick is, it should still be relatively difficult to, to pick, him to pick him up. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't, because even though that they are smaller, like, he's he's got a broader chest. He's got a heavier torso, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, he is short and compacted. So, <laughs> like, it's, it's short and mighty. <laughs> I like the compacted. That's a good word for it. But I like the way that the dad snapped his teeth. That is something that Beowulf does. Not mm. to compare her dad to a dog, but when Beowulf is playing with Scamp, yeah, that's what he does. He snaps his teeth. Molly does it too. So I'm wondering, is this like, is is are we trying to assume that Dad is now having animalistic reactions to threats and aggression on top of his psychotic break that he's already been displaying symptoms of? Because that's just such a it's such a random thing to do as a grown human man. Yeah, when met with the aggression of another grown human man, to snap your teeth. Yeah, that's a very that is an odd thing to do. Right? It doesn't seem like it would be normal behavior. Yeah, normal behavior for a human being. But at the same time, I've never been pushed to that limit. That very true. Neither right? have I. So I don't like, know how I would act. I I don't know how animalistic I may act in that type of desperation. Yeah, I don't know either. And I mean. Because we can act more evolved, you know, like like we are. <laughs> there was this one time I was talking to my friend Melissa, and I was like, you know, we like to assume that we're like these these awesome beings that have evolved so much, and you know, we've accomplished so much, but we still haven't figured out how to breathe on another planet or underwater or underwater. Yeah, like you yeah. know, like we <laughs> we still like we have evolved in in technology and all those other kind of ways, but we haven't really done much in a physical way. We're very limited. And yeah. That's actually we off, have we off have, topic, but yeah, um, <laughs> we have like soft skin, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it that's something that's brought up a lot in science because there are people who do believe in aliens and people who don't. I personally don't pretend that I know the wonders of the universe. I won't for a second pretend that I know anything that's going on outside my own front door, let alone the planet. Right. So I am not against saying there might be aliens. I don't like the argument that, well, there can't be aliens because there's no water on other planets. Well, we don't know that there aren't other beings that don't need water to survive. Just because all of the beings on this planet and require. all of wire require water doesn't mean that yeah. there's not another way to sustain life on another planet. I mean, for all we know, there's another planet out there who's never heard of water who's going to meet us someday and think it's insane that we need this thing so much. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's far fetched and probably makes me sound crazy, but <laughs> no, but I just, there's so many, uh, I mean, that's so what scientists that, have been doing over the past few decades now is looking at the periodic table and the things that we know and debating back and forth on whether or not if it can have another life form existing through this chemical makeup versus the other chemical makeup. The one that we know that we're made up of. The one that we have scientific evidence to prove exists. Yes. So, anyways, let's move on. We've gotten a tangent going again. (laughs) Off topic, sorry. So, oh, I wrote in my notes that, that Wolf holding back Dad with one arm 
while helping Scarlet to her feet with the other is just more evidence of his strength and stamina. So anyways, Dad sees the tattoo on Wolf's arm and just freaks. And she tries to explain while her, like, Scarlet's like, wait, 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 wait. But Dad, no, he completely panics. I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Like we said already, we've said several times, he's obviously in some kind of psychotic break. And he just was tortured, like, what, 48 hours ago? 24 hours ago? And now someone with the tattoo on his arm, same as the man who tortured him, is in his home and holding him. and Or not his home, in his mother's home holding him. Like, yeah, it's it's terrifying. And Dad pleads desperately. He needs more time. He's still looking. I wrote, he sounds like a desperate man on a mission. Dad screams, you can't take me back. I'm still looking. What the f*** is he looking for? Right? You can't take me back. That is a very strong thing. Like, you can't take me... You can't take me back. What? Somebody told you they were going to come back and get you? Yeah. I need more time. I'm still looking? Yeah. Like... I need more time to look for whatever it is that he's looking for. That means people are are going to come for him at any given moment. <laughs> Yeah, and that's basically what we find out, too. Dad starts freaking out, and he screams. He's one of them. He's one of them. The tattoo scar, it's them. And like like we just said, he said he needs more time. And then Wolf notices something. Wolf's eyebrows drew together as he peered at the back of her father's dropped head. Then he grabbed a thin chain around his neck and pulled, snapping it. Mm. A small, unfamiliar charm. And Scarlet couldn't, this caught my attention, Scarlet couldn't remember her father wearing any jewelry other than the monogamy band that he'd taken off within days of her mother figuring out that the ring hadn't served its purpose and leaving him. So maybe dad was also an adulterer. Oh, wow. Right? Maybe she keyed his car. Um, (laughs) So he's an adulterer on top of everything else. But what is this chain with the unfamiliar charm? Mm -hmm. I kind of wish we'd gotten a description of the charm. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been nice. But it says they've been tracking him and listening. Yeah, because Wolf Wolf tells her that it's a tracker, right? It's yeah. Super small tech. So it, it describes the charm as small. So it's got to be, and it's a tracker. So, like, we're talking probably about inch, two inches big. I wasn't even thinking that big. I was yeah. thinking, like, a circular pendant. So, like, oh. maybe, maybe a half an inch in diameter, like the size of a quarter or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking charm makes me think of like some kind of symbol. So I was thinking of like a circular shape. Yeah. Like a pendant. Okay. Yeah. I just so I was thinking like that. a quarter. I wasn't thinking anything bigger than a quarter, which wow. is it's still, it's very small. It has yeah. a transmitter and audio and they've, they've been tracking him and I would guess listening in on everything as well. And Scarlett says, do you think they're listening now? Most yeah. likely. But before that, what? before that, oh, no, no, no. It was no longer than Scarlet's pinky nail. Oh. So it's, yeah. it's really, really small. Yeah. It's not even the size of a dime, really. So that is super high tech. Yeah. Like, and this is the part I wanted to talk about. We may about. have that kind of technology now. I just don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have transmitters and trackers. <laughs> but I guess, you know, there's stuff in the phone. There's probably little pieces inside this phone that have. I mean, a SIM stuff. card is pretty small, right? Maybe That's it's the true. size of a, a SIM, SIM card. card. Yeah, there we yeah. go. What I wanted to talk about was Scarlett's dad hugged his knees, rocking. 
that is such a childlike way of comforting yourself. It's like crawling into a fetal position. Mm -hmm. That's got to be terrifying. Mm -hmm. This is Scarlett's life right now. (laughs) Grandma's missing. Cute guy at the tavern turns out to be kind of a psychotic man. We don't really know what's wrong with him, but he seems a little on edge. Uh, They call him Wolf. She sees him at a fight. Then he shows up at her house. That's cute, right? People showing up unannounced. Randomly. <laughs> she greets Dad. him with a gun. <laughs> Dad comes home. Dad, who she hasn't seen since she was, what they say, like eight. five years. Okay, yeah. so she hasn't seen him in five years. And he's ripped apart her grandmother's room. He's drunk. He's ta- He's got burn marks all over him. Scarlet, after everything that Scarlet's been through in the last, like even just since we saw her, what, 24 hours ago at the tavern? Now her dad is in the middle of a psychotic break and rocking back and forth like a he child. He went from, but this is like the flip of it. Because yeah. he went from adrenaline so high that he was literally walking on on nails and right. screws and forcing Blind his body. Theory. Yes, forcing mm-hmm. his body through glass shards and not even feeling it. Mm-hmm. And now he's like hit this wall and he's hugging himself. And he's rocking back and forth. He's and he hit rock bottom. He doesn't yes. know where to go or what to do at this he point. He has no idea what to do. And mm-hmm. he feels like he lost, like, obviously he was clinging to this something that he needed to find, like a ray of hope. And now that he feels like it's gone, I think this is where he's starting to, like you said, rock bottom. He's giving up now. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, like he's not going to find this. Yeah. So he's. He's they're going to comfort him. Little, they're going to come for him and they're probably going to kill him because yeah. he can't give them what he what they want. Yeah. And so dad's rocking and hugging and Scarlett says, "Do you think they're still listening?" Most likely. A firework exploded in her rib cage. I really like that. Mhm. I like it's that. A good description. I like that. It's it's another thing where she's not just saying she got really mad. Firework exploded in her rib cage. I can feel that the fire. Passion. And then Scarlet loses her. Sh- mm-hmm. Yes, she does. <laughs> Have you? I googled this expression. It does not exist. I swear on the house I was born in. I'm not familiar with that. I've never heard that. I don't even remember reading it the first few times I read this book. Yeah. So I googled it. It's not anywhere on the internet, so I don't know where it came from. Yeah, that, I found that a strange way of saying that as well. I wonder if Marissa Meyer cooked it up herself. Maybe. Because because Scarlett doesn't Scarlett have anything else to hold on to. Yeah. She's not going to swear on her grandmother. Yeah. She doesn't care enough about her parents that it would matter if she did swear on them. Like, the uh, only thing she loves is that farm like farm <laughs> is their their passion their, their life. sanctuary yeah yeah the one thing she cares about is that house so she threatens them and wolf is basically like uh you done bro and she is she's done bro so he smashes the transmitter and this is interesting i put wolf lol finished yeah you're finished you're done like, yeah it's just it's kind of like when somebody, like, throws something, then it breaks, and you know they're just throwing a temper tantrum, and you're like, yeah. you feel better. Well, <laughs> it's the ease in their relationship right there. Like, he just met this girl. He really doesn't know her all that well, but he can see that she is she has just thrown this tantrum, and he, he feels comfortable enough that she's not going to shoot him. She's not going to do anything like she's that. She's just like, he, he's finished. Like, you finished? Yeah. I'm now. <laughs> you feel better, bro? <laughs> so Wolf smashes the transmitter. And he said, well, they must have thought he'd come here. 
And she said, well, they left him in our cornfield. Yeah, I bet they thought he'd come here. Where else was he going to go when he got left in their cornfield? Mm-hmm. So, well, and that means they already know where she is. Yeah, they definitely know where she is because they got grandma. Mm-hmm. So they knew well, they that. know about Scarlet. I mean, we assume they knew about Scarlet before, right? How would they not know Maybe. Scarlet existed if they stole Grandma from her house? There's evidence of Scarlet everywhere in her well, home, true. right? Pictures, her clothes, her bedroom, her shoes at the door, yeah. her, her red hoodie on a hook somewhere. I mean, there's got to be evidence that somebody else lives in that home. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf says, do you think they knew he would come here? Scarlet says they left him in our cornfield. So again, yeah, they definitely knew he'd come here. Her father's voice rose between them, dry and empty. He told me to find it. Did you good on that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> find what? I don't know. He didn't say. Just she's hiding something, something valuable, and secret, and they want it. Wait, you knew? You knew all along that they were. Bu- this is where it gets like, oh, okay, maybe uh, he's a psychotic break, but he's also a horrible human being. Because <laughs> uh, you can be both. Yeah. So she's like, wait, you knew and you didn't tell me? And he's like, well, what if they... And she's like, what if they come for me next? Okay, so here, here's the thing. Dad claims that he didn't have a choice. It was the only way they would let me go. They said I could only have my freedom if I could find out what grandma was hiding. And he just had to get out of there. Scarlet says he chose himself over his mother and his daughter. And I, I kind of agree with Scarlet. I do. He definitely made some rash decisions in a in a moment of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's really easy to be like, oh, I would never do that. But until you're in that position, you don't get to make that statement. Right, yeah. I like to think I would do anything for certain people in my life, but I haven't been met with that situation, thankfully, so I can't say for sure if that's true or not. Yeah. And neither can Scarlett. I personally don't think that she would stoop to this level, but I, we only know her for 130 pages, so what do I know? But he was drugged and tortured and went on a drinking binge. We don't see any evidence that he's eaten, and he's clearly not in his right mind at the moment, so it's it's somewhat understandable that he would be obsessed with his own self-preservation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would I would say so. But he says, you don't know what it's like. I had to get out of there. She says, well, they still have my grandma, and I know you're a coward. Mm-hmm. She gets so mad and says that dad is a disgrace. Yeah. She cuts him deep with this one. And he goes perfectly silent, which in the middle of all this screaming and chaos, and it's been screaming and chaos since she opened that door and saw him pulling things out of cabinets and dumping over barrels. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's just silent. And you can feel the tension. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, can, and that's like as a reader that moment in the fight when you know that you've hurt someone. Yes, when you know you've when you pushed their soul, too far, right? You yes. cross that line to where you have hurt them in a way that you can't even begin to understand. It's that moment when you, it's the I can't come back. Yeah, you can't come back. Mm-hmm. That's that. Those words are out in the open in someone's ear in someone's head. They will never return to your mouth. Yep. That's that moment. She stepped. And, and that's basically like, playing it no, this is where I start to feel even, even more like Scarlet doesn't know grandma the way other people know grandma. Mm-hmm. Maybe grandma's really nice to Scarlet. <laughs> Thank your lucky stars. Grandma's nice to you. Star- Scarlet. You're wrong, Scarlet. 
She watched them torture me. Me. I'm guessing in parentheses that should be, you know, her son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and still she kept her secrets. There's something your grandmother never told us, Scar, and it's put both of us in danger. She's the selfish one. And she says, you don't know anything about her. No, you don't. You've been idolizing her since you were four years old, and it's blinded you to the truth. She's betrayed us both. Blinded you to the truth, and you've been idolizing her. Everyone in this town has the same version of her grandmother that her dad seems to have. Yeah. And the only one who sees her grandmother as this this just sweet old lady who runs a farm and is a little strict about pricing mm-hmm. is Scarlet. And we talked about in the very first chapter of this book, maybe she's idolizing her grandma. Yeah. Because the police were like, oh, we're not going to go look for her. And she was like, well, how come everybody's acting this way? And yeah, there's got to be something. This this woman is like a beacon to her, but nobody else seems to see this light in her yeah. at all. So I don't know. It, it kind of it takes me back to that scene a couple chapters ago when her dad was like, I don't know what the f- she did on the moon. And we're just like, wait, she was on the moon. Yeah. What does she have to do with the moon? Yeah. There's so many gaps in this story about a woman we know very little about. But and she a woman seems apparently to be a very important player in this. I mean, we found out about her all the way in Cinder. Yeah. Nancy, when Nancy was researching the disappearance of Celine's body, her name came up. That's yeah. pretty conspicuous. Why would her name pop up? It's it's very like conspiratorial, you know. If Kai was in here, he'd have like he'd have like <laughs> one of those um one of those cork boards with pictures well, yes. and like packs and red, red string, string everywhere. <laughs> and that's what we need to do in our head. We're trying to get yes. a picture of her. And this is what you were talking about. That first episode we had you on. Her grandma had a completely different life. Yeah, she lived like we talked. I think we did the math, and she probably lived at least forty to fifty years before Scarlet was born. That's a very long life. That's twice the amount of time I've been alive. Yeah. And you can change quite a bit in just a year, let alone, you know, when I was uh, was in eighth grade, between eighth grade, between the beginning of eighth grade and the end of my freshman year of high school. So a year and a half, two years, I lost three uncles, my grandmother, my dog, the home I grew up in, and my parents got divorced. Mm hmm. In like a year and a half. Yeah. I went from a happy, carefree kid who loved sparkly, shiny things and rainbows to like black eyeliner and dark t-shirts and heavy metal music. And I was misunderstood. And and, and not to like, no, not to like belittle my own experiences. That was a very dark time for me. I went through a very severe depression and I was also 15, so I had no idea it was a depression. Yeah. It was in the middle of my parents' divorce and custody battle, so no one else noticed I was in a depression because there was a lot going on. Yeah. But I'm a very different person than I was 15 years ago. Yeah. I can't imagine 40 years mm-hmm. and being in the military changes you. Yeah. My husband is a very different person even than the man I married. His first deployment was only six months long, and it changed a lot of dynamics about our relationship and a lot of the ways that we interacted with each other. And at that point we'd already been together for like four years. So, I mean, I, I just, she's had this relationship with her grandmother and I get it. They have some kind of trust and some kind of bond, but there's something everybody seems to know about grandma. The Scarlet just doesn't know. And this is where that naivety comes in. Mm-hmm. This is where that child, like, like her dad says, it's idolization. Not willing to look at the whole picture. 
Yeah, the big picture. The big picture. Take a step back. Take yourself out of the situation. Take two seconds to think about what the other person is going through, what the other person has been through. Like remove yourself, remove yourself from the passion and the emotion of how you feel about your grandma and put yourself in someone else's shoes. And now what do you see? Exactly. Now what is the appearance you get of this person? Yeah. It's kind of like what we talked about when we talked about looking at someone's Facebook. Mm hmm. I know Ashley. I know she's a person. I know things about her that make me think she's a wonderful person. Yeah. If I were to just look at a random meme on her Facebook and that was the only thing I had to 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 learn about her character, I might be it to her it's just something funny. And most people it's just something it's a meme, it's supposed to be funny. But some people take things differently. And see and that you're getting one very small piece of a very big picture. Yeah. If you think about grandma being probably sixty I think we did the math and she was like sixty eight years old. Yeah. Scarlett's been with her. Apparently, she's been idolizing her since she was four, so 14 years. That's a very small percentage of someone's life. Yeah. A very small percentage of someone's life. Whereas daddy probably has been with her for 40 to 50. He grew up with her, too, and that's, that's another thing. Like, you don't really realize, at least I didn't realize, when having children, how much it would make me grow up with them. Mm-hmm. Like there were there were times when I was pushed to the limit, you know, like in anger and wanting to, you know, laugh, you know, like, oh, she's being such a toddler, you know, but I have to let her be a toddler. Like we were talking about earlier with yes. with the training and being able to take a step back. You know, some people, they learn as they go. You learn as you go throughout life. I don't think anybody has it right away. Or so, yeah, like ever. My mom will be the first to tell you that yeah. she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Yeah. She's halfway done. So I mean, yeah, I mean, nobody has I, all the answers. You, you get what I'm, what the point I'm trying to make. I'm sorry if that didn't make any sense. No, no, no I totally, I'm agree, I'm agreeing with you. I'm yeah. saying nobody has it together, and clearly, you Scarlett doesn't have a full picture of who Grandma is. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're always open. From the day that you're born until the day that you die, you have every opportunity to learn new experiences every single day. Yeah. And I mean, this is something we're still way off topic. This is something that Taylor Swift talked about in her documentary. Oh, yeah. Which was great. Miss Americana. It's Mm -hmm. on Netflix. It was amazing. It was was very eye opening. There were people after the documentary aired that spoke out publicly and apologized to her for saying things that triggered her and contributed to her eating disorder and they apologized for it. Yeah. And they spoke out and said they shouldn't behave that way and things like that. And she, in response said, this is exactly what I wanted my documentary to do. People are capable of change. Let's change our narrative Mm -hmm. and the way that we speak to each other and the way that we speak about each other. Yeah. Cause using hateful words and using hateful language and doing that kind of stuff on the internet is super easy. It's quick, it's fast. Nobody knows who you are. No one knows who you are. But you can, to take the time to step back and put yourself in someone else's shoes, that takes time. That takes emotion. That takes self-transparency. Yeah. You need to be self-aware in order to do things like that. Scarlett's not doing that. Scarlett doesn't. I don't think Scarlett. Here's the thing. Our two main protagonists in this series so far are Scarlett and Cinder. Cinder? I gave her a lot of shit about seeing the bigger picture. But Cinder has a lot of betrayal and abandonment and things like that. And I genuinely think if met with it, she would, she wouldn't be as surprised that someone betrayed her. Yeah. 
because it's just like, well, what else is new kind of kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's just another day in the life. Yes. And I think that Cinder, while she wasn't capable of seeing the bigger picture in the last book, I think that Cinder, in this scenario, is a little less naive. Because I... I think Cinder's capable of being self-aware. Like she was with Kai. Mm-hmm. Of course she wants to be with the prince slash emperor. Yeah. Even if he wasn't the, pers- the the emperor, she had feelings for him. She had an emotional connection to him. But she was self-aware enough to know that she's a mechanic. Yeah. There's no... There's no social class that she can jump out of where he and she are going to ride off into the sunset <laughs> in a golden carriage and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And she was self-aware enough to know that. To not let herself get that far. To not let it get that far. To not put herself in that position. To pull herself outside the situation and try to look at it the way someone like Torin would look at it. Yeah. Which and is even what if he's we good could, for. That character is definitely good for that. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. Scarlet doesn't have that ability. Mm-mm. And unfortunately, it's keeping her from being able to see the big picture here. So he says, well, you're just going to abandon me? And she's like, well, you abandon us first. And then she basically kicks him out. Scarlet realized that in the five years since she'd last seen him, she'd come to match her father's height. They stood eye to eye, burning up on the inside. Goodbye, Luke. Yeah. Oh, he ain't dad no more. Mm-mm. No. A few paragraphs ago he was, but not anymore. Yeah. No. And she's not wrong. He was playing. He was playing her like like this was something she did to him because he's like, well, they're gonna come for me. And she's like, no, you were going to sell me out. Yeah. Why? No, she, he's, he's playing it off like he's the victim, which he is. He was the victim of kidnapping and torture. And I'm not trying to belittle that in the slightest, but none of that was Scarlet's doing. Yeah. And he was going to sell Scarlet out for his freedom. And like I said, I've never been in that position, but I'd like to think I wouldn't do that to my child. Yeah. I mean, like you would think that you would protect your offspring as much as possible, you know, like you yeah. talked about before, you know, you would definitely jump out and grab Scamp or Beowulf, like n- nobody. Oh, yeah. yeah. You would protect them because they are precious to you. And that thing, Scarlet's not precious to him. It's a good way of looking at it. She's not precious to him. She's not valuable to him. She's yeah. not. And that's hard to hear. And that's it's hard, hard to, to deal with too. For, like, for me personally, my biological father, he's an absent man. Mm-hmm. he just is he didn't want kids and he got stuck with a couple of them and unfortunately or fortunately I guess he had an alcohol issue and like before my mom even realized she was pregnant with me he hurt my older sister when she was a baby because she was crawling on the floor and he was playing a video game and she like untangled the cord and he kicked her mm. she was like a year and a half old mm-hmm. maybe and my mom took the baby and left And then it was a few weeks later that she realized she was pregnant with me. Mm. And I mean, this is all my mom's story and my uncle's story. I don't know my dad, so I don't get to know his side of it. But I mean, he never tried to get to know me. So I can only assume he's as much of a deadbeat as they said he was. Right. Yeah. He has no sense of possession of me. He has a relationship with my older sister and he still doesn't have a relationship with me. Yeah. He doesn't find me precious. I'm not even sure he knows I'm married or my last name or what state I live in. Right. If met with this situation, I don't see why he wouldn't sell me out. Because why would he care about my existence or safety? He doesn't even know me. Yeah. Now, my dad, the man who raised me, the man who met my mother when I was three months old, 
I have no doubt that he'd walk through fire for me. He's done a lot of things for me. He adopted me. Yeah. I'm not his kid. My parents got divorced when I was 15 and he's still my dad. Mm-hmm. My stepdad, who is no longer even my stepdad, is still my dad. That is not the relationship that no. Scarlett has. She doesn't have a father or even a mother that we know of that finds her, like you said, precious. And the only person that has found her precious is Grandma. And it's no wonder she feels that way. And it's no wonder that she would idolize someone like that. Mm -hmm. And someone who was in the military, a strong, successful woman in the military who now runs her her own farm business. Yeah. Yeah. There's I mean, there's a lot of we don't know Grandma, but these little tiny pieces that we do know of her. It's easy for us to put ourselves in scarlet shoes and see why we would idolize Grandma. I mean, she saved us from our parents, if nothing else. Yeah. So dad leaves as he should. And I like the moment where Scarlet is kind of pulled out of her reverie by the gentleness in Wolf's voice. And he says, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't need your help. I meant I'll help you get your grandmother back. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I liked her line about being trapped in a bubble that might blow away. Mm-hmm. The wolves are headquartered in Paris. That's probably where they're keeping her. Paris. The word filled her up. A clue. A promise. Mm-hmm. Something. It's something to cling to. It's the only bit of information that we have had about Grandma at all. <laughs> yeah. And this is what we were talking about on the Patreon, because Bethany went down a huge rabbit hole trying to figure out where the f- this farm town is. And if you want to see more about it, you'll have to go to our Patreon. But we came to the conclusion that it is a fictional farm town mm-hmm. because there's no way that it's a three and a half, that it's a six and a half hour drive from Tulaus when Tulaus is supposed to be the next town over. That's not a thing. Yeah. There's just logistically on a map. I spent hours pouring over atlases. It doesn't make sense. So, in order to get to Paris, they need to go to Tulaus and take a maglev train, which is obnoxiously slow. Because it takes eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a pretty long train ride. It is. And he says, we can't rush this. We need time to think. Well, it's an eight-hour train ride. That should give you plenty of time. And she's like, well, this isn't rushing. It's been over two weeks. She's been missing for a while. Like, you just got here, but she's been gone this whole time. Yeah. And I like that maybe an hour ago, she was holding a shotgun in his eyes. And now she's like, let's go halfway across the country together. <laughs> Whoa, now, really? <laughs> But she recognizes his unease, and she says, they won't find anything. We don't keep secrets. Mm. I have a feeling that she is wrong. They can look all they want, but they won't find anything. My dad is wrong. Grandier and I don't keep secrets. Well, we as the reader know that you do. Yeah. Or Nancy wouldn't have found out something about Granny Benoit that you didn't know. Right? So. There's something there. But we just don't know what it is. Yet. Yeah, and neither discover. And neither discover. So there were eight Easter eggs in this chapter. And remember, if you want to see what all eight of those are, they are on our Patreon right now. And I picked two songs. I picked Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift because everybody is making people do sh- The gang is t- terrified the dad making him do, you know, the ransacking and giving up his daughter. And Wolf, against his will, is helping Scarlet because she made him, even though he never wanted to. And all this that's happening is pushing Scarlet into going after her grandmother. Just everybody got forced to do something in this chapter. So 
So that's why I picked that one. I picked Elton John, Easier to Walk Away. Ooh, why? Because it seemed like she was walking away from her dad. The relationship between her and her dad, she was just giving up. Just done with it? Just done with it. She is she is cutting off ties, and she just knows that you cannot be a part of this family anymore. Yeah. You are you are not good for us. I wash you my are hands not, you. you are not here to help us. Yeah. And my goal is to get her back and to have her home. Safe. And safe. And that's yes. obviously not something you're going to contribute to. Yes. Yeah. He, he is trying to give them what they want and sell her out. Right. And get, get, get done with his portion as quickly as possible. Yeah. The other song I picked was Secrets by the Pierces, which is the theme song to Pretty Little Liars. Mm. But obviously there's some secrets going on. Do you know that song? No. Got a secret, can you keep it for this one you'll save? Got a locket in your pocket, taking this one to the grave. No. I don't remember, but something, 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 because two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Mm. Oh. So I picked that one because I was like, there's a lot of secrets running around. Yeah. And, and that's true. Only that two, seems like a the only person, yeah. <laughs> So those choices will go up on our Patreon, and everyone can vote for which one will be the chapter title, and I will share which one it is on the next episode. So... So Ashley's quote was, this man was broken. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What was your quote? Finished. Just finished? (laughs) Yeah, done, bro? Yeah. (laughs) It was the lighthearted comment in the chapter. And, like, it just, I like comedy. And I enjoy those lighthearted moments, especially when you're in something so serious. Yes. And this just. Gave me like a lighthearted feeling in for the just one second. Yeah, for just a second in the middle of a very serious chapter. Yeah. So my quote was: Wolf's gaze darkened and Scarlet paused for the first time, recognizing his unease. Hmm. These two don't know each other at all. No, but they're having this moment where they're both coming to the same realization and conclusion that this is what they have to do, and it's scary for both of them but for different reasons. Yeah. But it is dangerous for both of them. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that was a really powerful moment of the chapter where there's kind of like this before and after moment, you know, before he was just this dude who ate a lot of tomatoes and now all of a sudden he's her partner on this mission. Yeah. And I feel like that's a huge transition. It's like, you don't just choose anyone to go on a road trip with. <laughs> no, you and I have had that discussion. You can't handle everybody in a car for eight hours. No. You and I can listen to podcasts and audiobooks and Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift, but I can't do that with everybody. <laughs> so let's move on to chapter 14, where we're finally back with Kai. And the last time we saw him, he was obsessing over his relationship with Cinder and whether or not she had glamored him. And then because he knew he needed to and because Torin helped him and kind of urged him along, he sent the military after Cinder, but he was hopeful they wouldn't find her. Yeah. And now it's still the same day. It just seems to be a little bit later that morning or maybe mid-afternoon. And they got away. So Hugh, the uh, general? The military leader person, dude. Yeah. Came in and said that he's given the order to deploy the fleets. and. I am confident we'll have the fugitives found and taken into custody by sunset. With all respect, Chairman, you don't sound particularly confident. No, he kind of doesn't. No. (laughs) Also, we'll get to it anyways. Um, (laughs) 
Not something you want to hear in a military leader, but all the tracking equipment has been stripped. Okay, so what? They're just going to, like, fly around Earth's atmosphere and hope that they cross paths with a ship that is intentionally trying to stay hidden. Yeah. I wouldn't be confident either. And it's been per- like it's been prepared already. It's not like they just stole this ship and they're trying to get all the devices off of it. No, they this know what they're sh- doing. Yeah, th- this, this is ship sh- has already been stripped. <laughs> like this is a prepared ship. This is a this is a stolen ship by a criminal who knew he was stealing a ship. Like <laughs> they're not gonna find. They didn't find it in the hangar. They're certainly not in a hangar in the middle of New Beijing. They're certainly not gonna find it in the middle of the outer space. Yeah. I do like when Torrance says that Cinder is more clever than he thought. Yeah, she is. Yes. Kai has an unexpected spark of pride. Here's something we should talk about. (laughs) What does her being lunar have to do with anything? In the past, we've had difficulty tracking lunar ships. It seems that they've learned how to disable our radar systems. I'm afraid we're not sure how they do it. And again, Kai's like, did you know about this? This is another moment where Kai is like, did you know about this rumor? And Torin is like, well, it's just a rumor. <laughs> I've heard rumors. Your father and I chose to believe that's all they were. Yeah. You no, know, you think Selene is just a rumor, too. Yeah. But yeah. Dr. Airline. <laughs> These are things that you would think. I don't know. You would think that that would be something that he would update Kai on. Like, the situation that's going on. These are the possibilities. I feel like Torin still sees Kai as young and naive, which he is. I mean, the way he interacts with Lavana alone proves his his age and inexperience. But I think sometimes Torin protects him from himself. Yeah. Kai is paranoid for good reason. And And he should be. And he goes down conspiracy rabbit holes very easily. He clings to these rumors. He's very easily manipulated by rumors and conspiracy theories. And Torrin is like, all right, I don't have enough proof of this to bring it to his attention. And it's going to distract us from actually getting anything done. So until I have proof, I'm not telling him anything. I think that's how Torrin looks at it. Torrin is like, we don't have time for conspiracy theories when we're about to be at war with Moon. Yeah. You know? So that's what I think Torrin is feeling. Yes. I think so. This part is a little frustrating because... They all assume that she's been using her lunar gift. All these years. Uh, yeah, all these years. They talk about it as if it's a possibility for her to be using her lunar because gift. Because they don't know that time. she just now found out about yeah, it. Yeah, she just found out about for it. For all they know, she's experienced and manipulative as Sybil Mira. Yes. Yeah. And and rightfully so, they have every right to be on edge about that. Yeah, because they have no experience to or evidence to sway them otherwise. Yeah. The part that I accidentally skipped was Hugh says there's also the point of her being lunar. And Kai interrupts him and says, whoever captures her will just have to be alert. What the f*** does being alert have to do with anything? Yeah. We've, we've been given no indication whatsoever that being aware someone is a lunar prevents you from being glamored by them. You were aware every time you interacted with a lunar, even in this chapter, that didn't prevent you from... Right. ...being glamored by them and controlled by them. Exactly. So they can be as aware as possible. It doesn't do them any good right we've we've been given no indication at all and you yourself in like five minutes can't do anything to protect yourself and you're fully aware so i'm not sure what that matters it's the naiveness of being able to control something that he has no idea what he's about to deal with 
Well, he's like, encountered he, the gift before. Yeah. With the spaceship. But I don't think he's taken it seriously yet. I think he's about to. Yeah. I, you like, know, never you know, I don't think. With it before. Yeah. He it's hasn't been, been forced with it. It's been the emotional aptitude of it. Yeah. But he hasn't been physically forced to, to do anything with it. He did see Sybil force someone. He's heard the, the darker side. Yes, he he's he heard saw rumors of this stuff happening, but, but he also never any proof. But he also saw Sybil at the dinner try to force a woman to gouge her own eye out. Oh, did he? And I thought Fender, he had heard about that. No, he was oh, at the oh, dinner. Right. There was a mirror. I forgot about that. So he's he's got some experience. I'm just not sure that I'm not sure. Being aware that she's capable of having these powers of manipulation is going to protect them or prepare them in any way when they have no way or no method of defending themselves against this specific gift or power or whatever you want to call it. Yes. And to assume that she's, as the person that has read Cinder and knows what she's gone through, you're just kind of screaming at the book at this point. Yeah. Like, no, she doesn't have any idea. You don't need to look at her as a threat because she doesn't know what she's doing. Well, she did break out of prison and steal a spaceship, so she knows a little bit. I, well, I mean, that's, that's also, like, that's just self-preservation at this point. Self-preservation <laughs> and she's got the entire internet in her brain. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she's got world access at her fingertips. So here's where they talk about not being able to fight. Oh, that's what I wrote in my notes. That Kai, that Torin is aware of Kai's paranoia and doesn't want to feed his conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But regardless, she won't get far. Uh, really? How is that possible if you have no way of tracking her and she can conceal her ship with a gift? How the f*** are you going to find this girl? Right. Like, what are you talking about? Thing. Like, they're literally just going to go into outer space and circle around and oh, hope that they bump into her. Like, <laughs> that's so not going to happen. <laughs> no, space is a big place. That'll be it. <laughs> they finally finished going over the security footage, and we have some egg hatches. Yes, I was so excited. Dr. Erland was caught on tape when he visited the prison to help Cinder, and he has a bag with him. Mm-hmm. Kai sees that it's Dr. Erlon and is like, uh, turn up the volume? And the guard says, you can't get in here. We already saw this part in Cinder, but the guard says, you can't get in here. All right, that's protocol. I understand. There, you see? I have obtained the necessary release from the Emperor. You may open the door. Thank you kindly. I'll ask that you give us a bit of privacy. I won't be but a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, how did he do that? Right? No, Kai is basically just like, what the... Kai is shocked. I imagine his world is crashing around him. Everything is crashing. Everything is crashing. Nothing is making sense. security blankets are gone. (laughs) Nothing makes any sense. First Cinder, now... Yeah. So, Kai is like, what the f*** just happened? And they're like, well, we we questioned the guard and he can't remember, so we think he's a lunar. And he's like... Uh, okay, is this a conspiracy? And you, you get this moment where Torin is just like, come on, don't. Okay, like we talked about earlier, yes, paranoia is paranoia, but when it's triggered, when you have actual evidence for your paranoia, when you have further issues that are feeding your conspiracy, that's not paranoia. That's real. That's yeah. a real threat, and you should be concerned. And, like, he hasn't been through enough already. In the last week, his daddy died. 
he became emperor. He fell in love with a mechanic who turned out to be a cyborg, who turned out to be a lunar, who now is a fugitive on the run. He's at war with the moon, and basically it's a cold war, and everybody's just waiting for the first person to throw a nuclear bomb into the mix. Oh, and now the only other human being in the world besides Torin that he liked and respected is also a traitor. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. In a few days. Mm-hmm. It's been like, oh, like, what, 10 days at the most? Yeah. Uh, and like, <laughs> I would so need a vacation. A, we're only 138 pages into this book, and so it feels- <laughs> it, like it has gotten so complex. Like you got to give it to Marissa Meyer for making this world like so beyond the basic Cinderella story. I mean, we're like, we are nowhere near, yeah, the person that we met at the market in no. book one. No. We are so far removed. Cinder's not even that person anymore. We're talking about people changing so quickly. Right. Cinder's not that person anymore. Mm-hmm. So Kai freaks out. This just more information to feed his paranoia. And now he knows how she escaped. And here's another hatch. How Cinder escaped her cell and got to Thorn is kind of explained here because the guard, she was able to talk to the guard through the grate. And so she talked him into moving her cell. And that's what's in the bag. You assume correctly, dear Kai. That is what was in the bag, mm-hmm. a hand and a foot. Yep. And I just, I feel for Kai in this moment because he's just, he he doesn't have the chance to ask Cinder about any of this. Yeah. Like, his feelings were on the line with her, too. I have a feeling that he felt for her. And oh, like, absolutely. You know, and like... We know he felt for her. Yeah. Like he almost he, kissed her in an elevator. He begged her to go to the ball. To the I ball. know. And for him, like, think about, like, stuff just They talked about running away to Europe together. I know. Stuff happening to, to the other person yeah. and not being able to talk to them. And, you know, even if he could talk to her, he might not believe her because he thinks that she's a lying lunar. Yeah. Which it looks like she is. Or that she manipulated him. He has no reason to believe otherwise. Exactly. He has no reason to believe that he's never once met, to his his recollection, he's never met a lunar that was trustworthy. He's now met two. And as it turns out, they both lied and they were both, they both betrayed him and, and betrayed his trust and lied to him. So that just fuels it even more. Yeah. So... It doesn't look good. It doesn't. And now Kai is starting to wonder, well, I thought she was just fixing a Mendroid. What was she really up to with Dr. Erlond? And plotting, conniving, conspiracy? It's enough to drive anyone mad. And talk about a man obsessed that we just saw in the last chapter. Right. Kai's pretty close to that edge. He's mm-hmm. pretty close to getting obsessed. Not to the point where he's going to have adrenaline. But I, I could, like like we said, he's going to have a cork board with pictures and red tape right. and red <laughs> string everywhere. He's that kind he's of obsessed. He's going to be looking into this. Yes. This just isn't normal. And it's I don't not. blame him at this point. I either. really don't. And stars, poor Kai. He's so confused. Like, okay, remember when he was upset last book and the only people he wanted to, the, or not even last book, I think it was this book, but the only people he wanted to talk to or the, or the only people he could think of to talk to was... Dr. Erland and Torin. Yeah. He those was, were his he two was, main confidants. Those are the only people. He didn't even yeah. have a peer. Yeah. Not even like a busboy that he sometimes hangs out with in the cafeteria. He's got his father's advisor and a research doctor. Two people. And then for a little while he had Cinder. So three people. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's just one. And that one doesn't tell him about rumors. So maybe half a one. Yeah. That's 
This is pretty, pretty devastating. Lonely, pretty it's, lonely world there. It's pretty lonely on that uh, emperor podium. He doesn't really have a friend. He thought of Dr. Erland as a friend, so he feels really betrayed right now. So now they're saying they need to find the doctor and charge him as a traitor to the crown. Yeah, that is a hard thing for him to probably swallow. It's difficult for him. Now, not only are the the military forces out looking for Cinder, they're also out looking for his only other friend. And mm-hmm. it's hard to not feel like it's a conspiracy theory. And Nancy comes in. Yeah. A friendly face with a horrible message. <laughs> and Kai's kind of overwhelmed. He sees Nancy and he's like, that was back when she was just a, just a mechanic. He just went because she was a, she was a renowned mechanic. Her Majesty Lunar Queen Lavana has requested an immediate appoint. I will not be announced by an android. Mm-hmm. And she backhands the android. Yeah. Her single blue sensor eyes flaming. I wrote, enters the predator. <laughs> enters the predator. I wrote the predator returns. Yeah, we there you go. <laughs> we haven't seen her since last book. This kind of reminds me when she barged in when Kai was mourning his family yeah. or his father. And she was just like, oh, Emperor Kai, I'm so sorry. I'm going to come to Earth and see you. Nobody invited you, bitch. Yes. <laughs> Nobody You're asked you to be, here. to be here. This bitch is just always showing up unannounced. Yes. And again, in another moment in time where he is learning some devastating news, news devastating and news. he's vulnerable. Right. And this is why she is banned. the predator. Because she there. preys on him. Mm-hmm. And she does it when he's vulnerable. This is why the this is why we call her the predator. Mm-hmm. But she's she's way too powerful to be introduced by a machine. So she like just comes in straight up slaps Nancy, bitch, and her usual entourage: Sybil, the doting lapdog and gleeful servant. Oh, I loved that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was great. Mm-hmm. The other thaumaturge's only job is to stand and look smug. Well, at least he's doing a good job, I guess. <laughs> When I hear of, um, what's her name? Sybil. Uh, Sybil. I think of, uh, the woman from Emperor's New Groove. Well, what? I would what's not her picture name? her. Yzma. Yzma. Well, I don't picture Yzma. her at all. <laughs> well, because she's supposed to be beautiful. Yeah, but for some reason, like, I, I <laughs> A always, beautiful version of that person. Yes, yeah. I always... I, I tend to grasp for imagery yeah. in my head that I'm already familiar with. Yeah. And so, like, uh, even though it's not described that way in the book, I still picture, like, different things. Like I don't even know who I... I, I guess I can't actress-wise think based of who on I their attitude as. as a person mm-hmm. is what forms their shape in my mind. Yeah. And I don't see anything else because I see her as an ugly person. She is an ugly person. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's an ugly person too. It's just that they're outside. And that's what makes them so evil. Evil is that, you know, the devil wears a smiling face kind of concept. Mm -hmm. So Kai talks about the blonde man who had held Cinder during the ball, Sybil's guard. And even after a month of their being guests in his palace, Kai didn't know his name. Okay, I did research. I did it myself because I know we learned his name. It was an egg hatch. Page 354 of Cinder, we learn his name is Jacin. Mm. To be fair, 
Kai may have been distracted by his girlfriend revealing that she's a lunar cyborg and almost killing herself and the queen coming after them. Yes. But still, you know, just because your wannabe murder or your wannabe bride tries to murder your girlfriend doesn't mean you can't hear when people say names. Yeah. Just kidding. But <laughs> we do know his name. Kai just was a little distracted that night. But apparently bullet wounds don't excuse you from work because the other guy is also there, the one that jumped in front of a bullet for Lavana. Lavana, yeah. No sick leave nope. as a guard. Nope. That's no. a rough job protecting that woman. But you can see woman. the bandages <laughs> under... Under his uniform. Yeah, so, so that's creepy. Ugh, that's gotta hurt. You know he's in pain. Yeah. Like, I mean, imagine... You just had surgery recently. I did. So, I, I mean, did. <laughs> I can't be at work. <laughs> I I was not at work. Yeah. Think, I wasn't even conscious. Think about how bad you felt that yeah. day after. And even the day of. Working. Later the day of. Like, yeah. as soon as the nerve block that they gave me started to wear off. <laughs> and the thing about a nerve block is, it's a nerve block. Yeah. So, you can't feel the pain. You also can't feel anything. Mm-hmm. which causes pain because there's swelling and things like that. Mm-hmm. You can't use an arm. You can't feel. I mean, it's <laughs> this isn't numb in the sense that like, you know, my foot went numb because I was sitting down too long. This is like you literally, if you could break it right now and you wouldn't feel it. Right. And that's not okay. Right. So your majesty, what a pleasant surprise. Ooh, predator. Right. One more patronizing comment, and I will have you slice off and nail your own tongue to the palace gate. Mm-hmm. Oh, decorum is gone. Yeah, no, she does not give a no. on what planet. She, usually those kind of things are very diplomatic. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Like polite dirty talk, or not dirty talk, uh, polite dissing. Like, yeah. There's no... Everything under the rug. Or, yeah. Or not, uh, everything subtle... Everything passive-aggressive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Innuendos. Care that you're the king. I don't care that you're important at all because you are underneath of me. Yeah. I wrote in my notes, Lavana is done faking a doting queen. The predator is out in full force, claws and all. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that Kai words it. Kai describes it beautifully. She dropped the thin veneer of diplomacy. Yup, sure did. She did. So here's another hatch. We learned the name of the second thaumaturge is Amory. He's been mentioned twice since Cinder. And now we know his name is Amory. Now we get to see Kai experiencing the gift because his tongue falls limp and Amory is using his gift. So we know that the gift can be used as body control. We saw it with the maid in the last book. Mm -hmm. Now they can force Kai's jaw and mouth to close shut and his tongue to go limp to the roof of his mouth. Yeah. This is a pretty powerful gift. Yes. Like this is terrifying at this point to be able to take that away from someone. I mean, even if we, that alone is powerful enough in itself. Right. But you can also change your appearance to look like anyone. Mm hmm. Anything. How much power does one race need? Right. It's no wonder you don't want to go to war. Well, how the how are you going to protect yourself from that? Right? How like, on earth how are you going to protect yourself tell who's from the that? Good guy and the bad guy and exactly. all that other kind of stuff. It's absolutely overwhelming. And so we find out that Amory is wearing a red coat and Sybils is white. So this is kind of how their hierarchy is represented in the thaumaturges is through their coat colors. And the predator accuses Kai of assisting Cinder's escape. 
And I love this. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> it makes me so happy. He's just like folding his arms in defiance. And you you see that Torin and Hugh are, are still a statue. So obviously Sybil is holding them at bay. And Nancy is held back so she can't record the proceedings. And this is the second time that someone has mentioned the power of Lavana and her ability to know when someone is talking about her. Yeah. Because Kai... Kai thinks of how people can know when Lavana is talking about them, even on Earth, how that conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the the conspiracy with Voldemort and Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Like, if you use his name, he somehow it's also, can apparate and come to you. It 100% reminds me of Angel. Did you watch the show Angel? Yes, I did, but not all of it. There was a demon on Angel, and her name was Jasmine, I think. And she was literally gorgeous. And she was going to save the world. She was going to eclipse world hunger and create world peace. And she did. Everyone around her couldn't handle being angry. They couldn't handle being mean. There was nothing but kindness and equality and sharing with one another. There was no need to fight over resources when we could share them. There was no need to argue when there was so much happiness around this one woman. And Angel finds out that she's able to achieve all of this by consuming the lives of humans. But she's saving human. The, she's saving more humans than she's murdering. So it's like this balancing thing. Mm. He finds her real name. As soon as her real name is revealed, her magic is gone, and you see her demonic side and what she really looks like, and the beauty that had captured everyone, that had convinced everyone, that had manipulated everyone, is gone. Mm-hmm. And I often think of that with Lavana because I know. That her glamour is what makes her look the way that she does. We don't know what she really looks like. Right. So Kai's obsessing about how, you know, Lavana can hear people talking about her on Earth. And then he says he knows they've been spying on him and his father. He just doesn't know how. But we as the reader know that there's some random lunar spy girl, Shell, who's helping her spy on them and that she tried to use Nancy to do it. And that's how he got connected with Cinder in the first place. And I love the image of Kai when he can't speak and she tossed him a question and he go like raises his eyebrow and waves his hand across his mouth. Cause I picture this. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to do that face for our Patreon members. So everybody can see it. Yeah. So like join a, our Patreon so you can see it. <laughs> a very, uh, like, well, duh. You yeah, know, that kind of thing. Like, uh, I can't without Dude, the words. What I want is for everyone to do a story of their Kai face. There you go. <laughs> hashtag Prince Kai fan pod. Hashtag Kai face. Yeah. And share it on Instagram. Share it on Facebook. Share it to our Patreon. I want to see everybody's Kai face. Right. Bottom of page 143. You can't speak, but you got to gesture at your mouth that, that yes. you need freedom to speak. <laughs> Realizing that she was waiting for a response, Kai quirked an eyebrow and flourished a hand toward his mouth. And she goes, speak. Like she's talking to a dog. Right. So he offers up a thankless smile and he does the most disrespectful thing he can think of. He pulled his chair back from his desk and sat down. Tipping back, he folded his hands over his stomach. And I love the part where it says that she's almost unbeautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that word choice. Not ugly, not hideous, right? Unbeautiful. 
I love that word choice. I feel like that is so distinctive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just definitely has a way with words, and I'm impressed just by every chapter. Absolutely. Just about every chapter. It's like, that is a perfect way to say that because you could use anything. You could use ugly. You could use hideous. You could use... Isn't it beautiful because she's putting on that mask? You, you could, could be the prettiest person in the world, but if you have a bad attitude... Yeah. It well, you all the difference. You could even say, like, her anger hiding her beauty or something like that, or mm-hmm. her anger dispelling her beauty. No. She's unbeautiful. Because she is beautiful, but it's redundant. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was amazing. So Kai finally answers her, no. I did not encourage the fugitive to escape or assist her in any way. And I love when she's like, well, I don't believe you. And he's like, if you're going to refuse to take my word, why don't you just force a full confession out of me and be done with it? Mm-hmm. And she could make him do anything she wanted to. And Kai is basically like, bring it, bitch. Force a confession. Do your worst. Yeah. Just push me. Try. See how far that takes you. Yeah. You know, like, there's only so far she can go. There's only so much she can do or she would have done it already. Right? Yeah. That she could get away with before she get caught. Yeah, absolutely. And her statement of mind readers saying that they're not mind readers reminds me of Harry Potter. When Snape is teaching Harry occlumency, and he says the, the mind is not a book to be read. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Kai's statement, page 144, I really want to read it. Any feelings I may have imagined for Lynn Cinder were clearly nothing more than a lunar trick. Mm. And Kai says, Our preliminary investigation has shown that she used both her lunar and cyborg abilities to escape from herself. And while she may have had assistance from within the palace, it was done without my knowledge. I'm afraid we were unequipped to keep a prisoner who is both cyborg and lunar, which is what Dr. Erlon had said. We will, of course, be working on strengthening our prison system for the future. In the meantime, we are doing everything in our power to track down the fugitive and apprehend her. I made a bargain with you, Your Majesty, and I do intend to keep to my end. Well, according to Lavana, you already f***ed up on that one. Sorry, guy. Yeah. You already failed. But that is exactly what Dr. Erlon said. Their prison's not equipped to house both Lunar and Cyborg, or yeah. even one of the other. And it's a hybrid. Yeah. Like they, I don't think anyone on the planet is prepared to deal with someone like that. Yeah. The part that really kills me is Lavana just... I certainly hope you didn't fancy yourself in love with this girl. I think he did. Mm-hmm. Any feelings I may have imagined for Lynn Sender were clearly nothing more than a lunar trick. No, it's not. No, no. <laughs> my heart breaks at Kai saying this. No, no, no. He is wrong. Yes. And you just want to scream it because you feel for him. And you can't help it. Like, he can't. You see how he comes to this conclusion. Again, putting ourselves in his perspective. Yes, again, putting ourselves in his shoes. He has no evidence and no reason whatsoever to believe that it is not a lunar trick. Yeah. Other than his own sheer hope. And, yeah, desire. And that's quickly dwindling with each new bit of information that's coming to light, especially all this Dr. Erlon stuff. That flame of hope is just getting a little bit smaller. And the want. The desire. The, the desire that I have as the reader 
for them to be able to talk to each other again. <laughs> yes. Like, clear the air here. It would be so much easier if you guys could just talk to each other for, yes. like, five minutes. <laughs> so then... Kai is basically like, I'm so tired of this. You're just using this this nobody, this random person, as an excuse for war. And Lavana's basically like, oh, I'm going to rule. Mm-hmm. I'm just either going to do it through war or peace. But you get to decide that. Yeah. Young emperor, this is how you make that decision. This girl or her corpse. Yeah. Dead or alive. So Torrin and Hugh are released, and Nancy is so sorry. Yeah. Which makes me sad. And Kai says, just, I, everybody out. Everybody yeah. out. Kai's tired. He's done. He is so tired of everything. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't blame him. It's been too extra for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boy needs a minute. <laughs> yeah. Boy needs a scotch and a nice long nap. I put, the death of his love for Cinder was forced out over duty to his own country and the people of Earth. That was beautiful. Yeah. You're a little writer. I didn't even know it. Right? Everybody, that might be my quote for the chapters in Amy's notes. I have a quote. I get two. I get this one and the one from Amy's notes. So he tries to tell everybody to leave, but Hugh says, With all due respect, I need your permission. Yes, fine. Whatever you need to do. Just, I need a moment. Please. Mm-hmm. He just, he's hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. He's running out of the energy, the strength, the emotion right. to even deal with any of this. Right. This is so overwhelming. I had a mental breakdown the other day and I feel like Kai needs one. Mm-hmm. He's on the verge. Any minute now, he's either going to start crying or th- smashing things into the wall or something. Like right. he is just... So he crumples into his chair, and on top of everything else, he can't fill his dad's shoes. Yeah. How's he going to keep the queen out of his country or off his planet when he can't even keep her out of his own damn office? Right. And that is the glimpse. Imagine hundreds of them. Thousands. Thousands. Millions, maybe. Right? Maybe. That are living on the moon. There's only there's not very many people on Earth, so but still thousands well, I mean, of people yeah. is a lot of people, hundreds of thousands. When of people. only how many came into the room? Three, yeah, four, because there were two guards. Yeah, but, but it doesn't but, look like the guards did, did anything. anything. It was just five because there's two guards: Sybil, Amory, and Lavana. Yeah, but it looks like the only people who even had to use their gifts were Amory. And Sybil, because we know Lavana could have forced them to do those things. Yeah. This was almost my quote, so I'm going to read it anyways. Kai sitting there thinking about how he can't even protect his office. How is he going to do it? How is he going to protect his country, his kingdom, and an entire planet? And his attention swept over the city below, but was soon pulled up to the glaring blue sky, cloudless. Somewhere beyond it was the moon and the stars and tens of thousands of cargo ships, passenger ships, Military ships, delivery ships, vying for space beyond the ozone. And Cinder was in one of them. Aww. That was almost my quote. Oh, I like, I, I want like three that. quotes this chapter. Right? It's just, oh God, it just breaks my soul. It's so forlorn and so poetic. And he just wants her to disappear. It would just be better if she would just disappear. Because Kai thinks it's just because Cinder called her ugly but it's not. She's not just some nobody cyborg lunar on Earth who called Lavana ugly at a ball. Right. Lavana thinks this is her long lost niece. Yeah. And 
or Lavana knows. Yeah. Like, the way no that they described way it, the that way she doesn't. She seems so angered. Like when she sees her out on the in the courtyard, when she picked her out of the when crowd, she saw her glamour. Yeah. And like Dr. Erlon said, if there was ever a question of whether or not you were Celine, that glamour proved it. And guess who saw that glamour? Sybil and Lavana. Yeah. And Lavana's face changed really fast from this is an annoying lunar to who the f*** are you? Right. So Kai is wishing that she would just disappear, but she needs to be found. I think these really, these last few sentences really sum up Kai's inner turmoil. Kai had to stop acting cheated and indignant and start acting like an emperor. Whatever he'd once felt for Cinder or thought he'd felt for her was over. What's that emperor got to do to get a hug around here? No. So what was your quote for this chapter? Uh, If you're going to refuse to take my word for it, then why don't you just force a confession out of me and be done with it? love that he's calling her out. He's definitely that calling he her is out. not afraid to call her out. Even yeah. through all of that, yeah. he's still not afraid to be like, you know what? Do it. I dare you. Bring it, bitch. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That takes guts. It does take guts. And bravery. Yeah. So, Ashley's quote was, hoped Cinder would just disappear. And my quote was, he couldn't help it, but a part of him, maybe a large part of him, Hoped Cinder would just disappear like a fading comet's tail. So I'm going to expand Ashley's quote to mine. Then kind of combine the two. And I'm going to change mine to, which I don't think Ashley will mind. Because she and I often pick the same quotes. <laughs> but she only picked half the sentence. I'm going to give her the whole sentence. And I'm going to change mine to, it's so long, but I don't care. <laughs> Somewhere beyond it was the moon and the stars and tens of thousands of cargo ships, passenger ships, military ships, delivery ships. Buying for space beyond the ozone. And Cinder was in one of them. That just breaks my heart. I can't remember if I said it, but there's seven Easter eggs. My song was She Loves Control by Camila Cabello. Because it's literally like she loves control. She wants it her way. Like, that's Lavana in a nutshell. She loves control and she wants it her way. And she's not going to take no for an answer. See, I went kind of off with mine. Uh, The songs I picked... Elvis Presley, you're a devil in disguise. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're a devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> so that's the end of our chapter. This was a really long episode. I hope everybody didn't get sick of listening to us. This might be a twofer for everybody. <laughs> I almost feel like this could have been two episodes. I underestimated how much was going on in these chapters. Yeah. So overall, there was a total of 15 Easter eggs and no... Tomatoes or gloves or captains, unfortunately, but there might be next time. And next time we'll cover 15 and 16. And please remember to take a moment and fill out our listener feedback survey, which you can find on our website, our Patreon, and the link in our bio. Follow us on Instagram, rate and review and subscribe. <laughs> Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash princekaifampod. And please support us on Patreon. Remember, you can join for as little as $1 a month and still receive all of the benefits. So, yes. In the meantime, don't get clamored. Yeah, don't get clamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Amy Hall. Our logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening.